Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world. We'll be taking a look to how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more. So stick around. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We are here today um, to talk about something quite topical. In fact, we are meeting today to talk about meetings. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jenny, I'd love to know from your perspective, why do we have meetings? Oh, that's such a big question, Sarah. I'm not. How long have you got? (laughs) Usually about 30, 35 minutes. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Well, why do we have meetings? We have meetings because we don't work in isolation. We work in collaboration with other people. We often are forming parts of teams or leadership groups or something like that. And so it's really important that people come together either face-to-face or virtually, to discuss certain aspects of their work, uh, to make a decision and to move forward in a particular project or something like that. So people come together for a conversation to discuss what is on the agenda, to hopefully Mm -hmm. come up with an outcome and then to move forward from that. Except you and I both know that doesn't always seem to eventuate, does it? I was going to say, that would be a great meeting, I think, to have. (laughs) However, most, I would say most of the meetings that I had in my corporate life ended up not sticking to that format um, Mm. and didn't often have, no, that's not true. It often had an agenda with not a lot of of the output side of things it ended up being a lot of different people talking a lot and not not very much output shall we say (laughs) I think I think the risk is that it and it also depends who's called the meeting I think if it's um the leader who has called the meeting the risk is very much that it becomes a leadership meeting where basically it's just the leader doing all the talking and everybody else is sitting around the table just listening or pretending to listen um, and nothing very productive comes from it. The the other forms of meetings are those where somebody's got something on their chest they are worried about or concerned about or don't like and they want to get other people in the room to outline what their concerns are so they can sort of sort something out so I think it's very much about understanding who is calling the meeting why are they calling the meeting what is the outcome that is desired from holding this meeting and a really important thing is to determine how many people actually need to be in the room because um, I've also seen where it's become virtually, well, everybody just turns up to the meeting because that's what you do, where in fact it may be completely irrelevant to you and it's a, and it's a basic waste of time. Yeah. And when time is such a 
finite resource that we have available to us. And so many people are feeling time pressured. Nobody wants to waste a moment of time. And if you think you're just sitting there because you are expected to sit in that seat and it's nothing to do with you, A, you're going to feel resentful because of the above. Mm -hmm. And secondly, you're going to switch off. You're not actually listening in and you're doing those surreptitious things so that you can actually make better use of your time, like catch up on your emails or send a message or something else. And uh, yeah, it's Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of room for improvement, I think, oh, in, in why meetings. So there was um there's a study that just came out, which has started to make the rounds um, from MIT Sloan. And they said uh, knowledge workers are spending 85 percent of their time in meetings. Ouch. Uh-huh. And <laughs> a little bit more says 70 percent of all meetings keep employees from working and completing their tasks. So no wonder people get to the end of their day feeling like they haven't got anything done and they're stressed out to the max. Stressed out to the max. We're talking about the burnout. We're talking about stress. And, you know, the whole executive function thing, right? If you're in a meeting, you're probably paying attention. You might be being asked to make decisions, but you know that you have this other work. So you're probably trying to juggle those competing thoughts and priorities and things. And so by the time you get out of your 85% of your day in meetings, I'm guessing you have very little, if any, executive function left to actually do your work, even if you could do 100% of your work in 15% of your day. <laughs> I think I'd be on a negative. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but I don't think that works. <laughs> I think I would be below zero in executive function. I would definitely be operating in the, in the negative space, which would not be very good for anybody, at least alone me. <laughs> But it's interesting you said that about the number of people in meetings. I did an interview with Nick Marks, who is the the found, one of the co-founders of the global um, the UN Happy Planet Index, and and he has a company called Friday Pulse. Really interesting and an amazing kind of economist statistician. Oh, I said the word properly. Um, and he he said in that interview, uh, and this was at the beginning of the pandemic, that you can only really give your attention to I think it was like four to five people or maybe six people max. Um, after that, and if you've ever been in a meeting or going to a party or anything, you tend to break off into sets and you have separate conversations anyways, because you can't carry on a conversation with those numbers of people. So if you're ever sat in a meeting or if you've got a, a set of decision makers and there's 20 of you sat around the table, the likelihood is that's not going to be a great meeting. <laughs> oh, I couldn't agree more, Sarah. And I think it extends beyond the workplace too, doesn't it? Because I'm, as soon as yeah, you're saying yeah, that, I'm thinking, yeah, not that I go to many large parties these days. That, not know, these days. That sort of stuff. <laughs> but I do know that if if we're holding a dinner party, um, my husband is very social. He loves to invite as many friends as possible. And I'm thinking, oh, how many can I really cook fish for successfully? <laughs> And so I like to have a more intimate party of four to six people tops, mm -hmm. because then I know that we can all interact and have a good conversation together. As soon exactly. as we've got exactly. eight or 10 people around the table, you know that the table is going to split into two conversations. And that's just the way it is. And it doesn't, yeah, so I, it doesn't work. And it's the same with book clubs. I've I can tell you from personal experience, I, I joined a book club probably 20 years ago and it, it kept growing because more and more people heard about it and wanted to join in on the fun. And it got to the point where I actually didn't want to go anymore because 
you never had a full conversation with everybody in the group because there were all these little micro conversations going on which weren't particularly productive and helpful to what we were meant to be talking about so yes Yes. Yeah. And again, it's that it's that what it's not that they're not nice conversations. Right. But it's that what we're meant to be talking about in a book club or in a meeting. Yeah. You should have a specific goal. As you said, this is the the way to do that. And other conversations um, need to happen outside that space, especially now if you're booking in 30 minutes, 50 minutes. Yeah. 55 minutes, whatever, whatever the standard of meeting time is these days. Yeah. Um, now, when we were talking about this beforehand, Jenny, you said something really important um, about the need for breaks mm. between meetings. Mm. We did. In a previous um, session, I talked about the Microsoft Behavioural Labs experiment, which yes. looked at the role of inserting a very short break, 10 minutes, between mm. um, online meetings in specifically, but I think this is relevant for face-to-face meetings too. It's interesting that the higher you go up the food chain in an organisation, the more likely it is that you are going to be scheduled by your executive assistant or whoever does your scheduling. You will be doing back-to-back meetings pretty much all day long. Now, that is cognitively exhausting. Even if you've got all the intent in the world to show up and be really focused on what's going on in each particular meeting, your brain can't handle that. It needs a break. (laughs) So it's about Uh instilling that little 10-minute pause in between each one. And the Microsoft um, study, which was very small, but it was very clear in its findings that that break is all that your mind needs to re-energize, to refocus, so you have capacity again in your executive suite to pay better attention and actually contribute more to that meeting and then not be totally wiped out by the end of the day, which I think is really important too. Absolutely. And when we, you know, everything we talk about on this program is all about this kind of thriving and thriving at work and how do we do this? Mm. So I want to share some statistics that came out of this, this study, which were all about, so they looked at, I think, um, 76 companies and um, so that all the companies have more than a thousand employees, so big companies. Mm. And they found that um, when you reduced your meetings, and this this is where it's critical, by 20%, 40%, and 60%, okay, you had higher autonomy, higher communication, better cooperation, better engagement, lower micromanaging higher productivity, higher satisfaction, and lower stress. And very interestingly, reducing your meetings by 60%, so having so basically having three meeting-free days in a week had the best outcomes on all of those. When you go to four and five, then you start to have a slight reduction um, in some of those things. Um, if you go to 100%, you, 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 you lose a tiny bit. But even 100%, you still have 88% higher autonomy. So the highest amount of autonomy if you re- remove meetings, right? Um, you have 68% better communication. So huge, huge 
cooperation and engagement go down slightly. So, which makes sense, right? We do need yeah. some time for connection. You do. Uh, micromanagement um, is slightly lower if you have no meetings than if you have a couple. So again, a little bit of visibility is probably good. Mm. Um, but yeah, everything is is still better. Oh, if you have no meetings, your stress is reduced by 75%. <laughs> So, which tells you something about how meetings <laughs> feel. Yeah. So, but I think the like the positive impact is a minimum of three days without meetings, mm-hmm. and even up to five, up to having a no meeting culture may potentially be the answer. Um, but yeah, sixty percent was kind of the the sweet spot. So taking taking three days out of a, of a five day work week. So. If you're moving to a four-day work week, which I hope many of you are, that would be different. But so 60% uh, less meetings. Um, and I, it's, it's just incredible the number of things that that are, are benefited by this. And the number of people I speak to, you probably speak to in our work, Jenny, who are, what, what did you do? I'm in back-to-back meetings all day. How are you getting your job done? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who's and doing the other, who is doing the work? <laughs> Who's doing the work? Someone else? Maybe not. <laughs> and the other thing is, if you're in back-to-back meetings all day long, it means that you are not accessible to those other people that are desperately trying to get hold of you because they've got something important they want to share or ask you. And yeah. that's frustrating for them as well. And of course, if you're the person who's stuck in meetings and then you hear about this going on later and you say, well, why the heck didn't somebody tell me? It's because yeah. you were stuck in the meeting and the policy is the meeting takes precedence and so nobody interrupts. Yeah, Maybe we just need to rethink what we're doing with our meetings. And I think the MIT findings really sort of, you know, they put forward such a strong case to how we could do meetings better, Um, not to eliminate meetings, because clearly meetings can form a a very important part of business success. But it's about, I think they've just, they've, they've overdeveloped and it's, we've developed this culture of expecting to do everything by meeting. And that's not the way that we do all our best work. If you if you can't see me, that was my head. Jenny's laughing because my head went into my hands. <laughs> That's a very much head in hands moment. Uh, and it's so true because, yes, collaboration is great. Yes, having conversations is great. But so often, and I think this is another thing that comes into it, you know, the whole neurodiversity. So extrovert versus introvert or different communication styles the standard of meetings or the way that meetings are traditionally done, well, the loudest voices say the most. Those who are extroverts have their opinions heard far more. Um, And so without the kind of preparation that you talked about, so, you know, has everyone learned everything they should learn before the meeting and the meeting is to make a decision? That's something that um, one of my husband's old bosses used to say. You should never find out new information in a meeting. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. So what you're suggesting is is a different form of meeting that that differs from a transactional meeting, which is there purely to make a decision. Exactly. There are other meetings that you can have beforehand 
to lead up to that decision then being able to be made, which sounds a whole lot better. Or can you communicate the information in an email form or an informational form or asynchronously? You know, is it on Slack? Is it on uh, chat? Is it Facebook Workplace? Wherever your stuff is. So we have this ability now to work asynchronously. Mm. We don't all have to think at the same time. And actually, that's not good for anyone because some people work better in the morning. Some people work better at night. Um, so if you are having the conversations asynchronously, then your meeting can be about consensus, right? And that's quite a different style of communicating, isn't it? Um, yeah. And then I think you should have meetings which are, uh, and maybe they shouldn't be called meetings, but you've got these transactional meetings, which is how do we make decisions and get move forward with our work? How do we make progress? Uh, but we still need to have kind of connection meetings or connection time. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I think because we're trying to cram them all into the same thing, we don't get a good either. So making some space and time for um, spending time together yes. <laughs> and connecting and communicating and relationship building um, and then making decisions Um And maybe that's what you do. Maybe it's like 90% of your meeting time is connection. And then you save 10% of that time for making decisions. (laughs) That would be fun. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Yes. I have no idea if there's any science behind that, but I've just decided that's the way I want my meetings to go. (laughs) I think they, I think it's, it's very valid that we need, you know, if we explore different ways of holding meetings, then we can work Mm. out which type of meeting suits our particular organization the best? Because rather than assuming it's a, a one size fits yeah. all, because there are yeah. a number of books now that are out there, you know, saying you must only have a 25 minute meeting or you must do this and you must do that and do the other. And I'm thinking, eh, that's a bit too prescriptive. I think, you know, we need to work out what is most relevant uh, to, to our own particular situation. And that's, that's always going to be the so ideal important thing. because yeah mm-hmm. context is everything and sometimes slow thinking is what you need to be having so are you just holding space for slow thinking or how are you doing this yeah so jenny what everyone everyone hopefully agrees with us so throw out the meetings or throw out the 60% minimum of your meetings just say no um and again meeting free days are the way forward I think, because that's a really clear set boundary. Um, uh, but yeah, what what are the what are the tips for if we're having meetings? What would you recommend? What what's a great meeting? A great meeting? Oh, what is a great meeting? I think a great meeting is a meeting that has an obvious purpose. Um, it's got the right people in the room and only those people and no more. You don't need a sort of whole suite of extras like a big Oscar films, Oscar winning films and stuff. (laughs) And I think, you know, keep it short and sweet. A lot of people like stand up meetings for that reason, because as soon as you go into a stuffy boardroom and you sit down around that big table, (laughs) the tendency is that, you know, the oxygen content drops down quite quickly and everybody goes falls asleep. If you're in a stand up meeting, hopefully not in the boardroom, um, you've got to keep your balance. You've got to keep, you've got to stay awake and Mm -hmm. it keeps the meetings going and it keeps them shorter because nobody wants to stand for too long. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, 
if that's something that you're willing to explore and try, I think that can work really well as well. Nice. I like those. Those are all really, really good examples. Um, and I think, yeah, the the idea that people are spending 85% of their times in meetings and, you know, and we have this insane burnout crisis and we have a productivity crisis. To me, that's if we don't fix this, this side of things, meetings and then prioritization would be my second. We'll talk about that another time, I think. <laughs> you know, that's a really, really simple way yeah. to start addressing this massive issue that we have in the workplace. And it's simple, you know, it might take you a little while to get your rules right. But as our good friend over at Menlo Innovation says, run the experiment. Yes, indeed. Keep trying. Keep Indeed. tweaking, keep looking at it. But if you imagine what would happen if you just stopped having meetings three days a week, uh, what might that? Oh, just saying that feels good to me. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like stress just evaporating oh, when you say yeah. it. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Great. Imagine. Well, we'd like to hear from our listeners, of course, what you've been experimenting with in, in relating, relation to how you run meetings in your workplace. So please share away. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas. And uh, of course, we'll look forward to seeing you another time for another session of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and thrive in whatever you do. Thank you.